Hey guys, it's Jeremy, and welcome back to the Everyman Livestream. Now today's digital culture has accelerated a very destructive human habit. It's our tendency to compare. Now if you don't believe that, just take a look at what people post on their Instagram and Facebook feeds. Take a look at what you post, only your very best self, on your very best days, in your very best moments, as if your post reflects your normal life. It all appears very satisfying. Look, look, I'm doing great in this great place, drinking this great beverage with these great people, doing great things while you stare at your screen, admiring my life. Now the irony is that we are winning the battle of images today while the majority of us are losing the real battles of life. Now the hard habit to break is that we naturally look at other men's lives and then, get ready for it, we use what we see in others' lives as a measure for how we are doing. Now whether it's our success, our jobs, our wives, our kids, performance, our looks, our possessions, or even our spiritual commitment. The byproduct of all of our comparison is more discontentment and less satisfaction than ever before. Now, what does God think about all this? Well, it's safe to say that a life of comparison and dissatisfaction is not God's plan, especially in light of what God has done, is doing, and promises to do for us. That is the battle we're going to explore in part five of Driving Forces, because the Bible declares that God has defeated comparison and discontentment through our relationship with Him. But before we begin, share today's study right now with all your friends who need encouragement in their walk with God. Now, let's join meds expert and pastor, Kenny Luck, live from Crossline Church in Laguna Hills, California, for today's study. I want to welcome everybody that's watching online. We're in part five of a series we're called Driving Forces. If you're in the room, there's notes uh, on your table. I think everybody would agree with me as we've kind of gone through this study that when you have a powerful experience with someone and they do something positive for you, it creates kind of a positive energy back. And that's kind of the driving force of what we're talking about this morning. The Bible says that God has done so many great things for us and what he does for us creates an energy inside of us uh, that takes over our whole life and our whole purpose uh, for being here on earth. See, as human beings... We're hardwired by God to search for a few things. We're hardwired to search for meaning. We're hard, hardwired to search for purpose. And we're hardwired to search for satisfaction, all right? And we know this intuitively. We're hardwired to search for physical satisfaction and just kind of get our basic needs met, food, shelter, that type of stuff. We're hardwired to seek emotional satisfaction. Does anybody else out there besides me want peace and joy in their life? Okay, so we're hardwired to seek peace and joy and, uh, and to pursue happiness. Uh, we're hardwired to seek relational satisfaction. Everyone that's listening to me right now is hardwired to be known and to give and receive love all right, from another human being. God has hardwired us uh, to receive relational satisfaction. And then there's this thing, and it's kind of a big word, we're hardwired to seek existential satisfaction. We want to know, why are we here? All right, what's my purpose? What do I live for? All right, why, why do I matter? And, and these are big themes uh, that the Bible uh, addresses. But whether you know it or not, you're on the satisfaction journey. And uh, this morning, we're gonna talk about how uh, sometimes that quest for satisfaction gets interrupted by a nasty human habit, and it's the habit of comparison, wouldn't you agree it's tough to be content and satisfied with what you have, even if you have everything? We're always comparing, 
right? And if you don't, uh, if you're not uh, convinced of that, just check out Instagram or Facebook, right? You see social media and you go, wow, people have their best self on, their best picture in their best place with the best latte and the best plate of food at the best beach. And we start looking at other people's lives and then we start comparing our insides with their outsides. Anybody else ever do that? And you start kind of feeling like, wow, he has it all together. And man, his family really loves him. And looks like they're so happy. And it's just this natural tendency to compare. And when we compare, we get discontent. When we get discontent, we get dissatisfied. Amen? It's a nasty habit uh, that we have. And we start looking at others' lives. We start comparing. And when you look at this whole built-in satisfaction journey we're on, you look at our digital culture and just the natural human tendency uh, to compare, and then to compare and then get discontent and get dissatisfied with the life that God has given you and the things that he's given you, you wonder, what does God think about all of that? And I have to believe, because of the words in this book, that a life of comparison and a life of dissatisfaction is not God's plan, especially in light of what he's done for us, amen? In light of what he's doing for us and in light of what he promises uh, to do. So I want you to take out your notes right now. I just realized that I don't have my note literally written down. And uh, I want us to read uh, Psalm 103, verses 1 through 5, together. Ready? Praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. Now I'm gonna do something a little bit different. I want to throw you into an early table discussion question, all right? And I want you to talk about this journey of satisfaction. I want you to talk a little bit about the quest for relational satisfaction, emotional satisfaction, all right, purpose, satisfaction. I want you to talk just a little bit about what you're looking for and how God has met that need in your life. I just want you to talk about that just for a few minutes, all right, at your tables, and then we're gonna pick up the study uh, in Psalm 103. Go for it. Okay, men, I'm back. How'd you like that for cover? I've got the notes now. There's two, two sets of notes. I grabbed, grabbed one set of notes. All right, so that's good, though. I'm glad that you got into that a little bit. I'm going to pull you back out of it, and then we're going to go back into it. All right, this is what the Bible says about satisfaction. We just read in Psalm 103 that God satisfies our desire with good things. Everybody say, with good things. With good things. That's right. What does that mean? All right? You're taking notes. Write this down. All right? It means that he fulfills my needs. So that's a driving force in someone's life. When God fulfills your needs, whatever those needs are, 
That's supposed to renew you. Like God's concerned about me. God meets my needs. Secondly, God fulfills my desires. He fulfills my desires. Now here's where there's a tension. There's a tension in, okay, I have desires, and God knows what my real deepest desires are, and he moves to meet those, but sometimes those are at odd with what I think I need in the moment. But the Bible says that God fulfills my desires. Third, God fulfills my expectations. That has a lot to do with satisfaction. God knows that we're hardwired for certain things, and he moves to fulfill your life and satisfy it in the ways that he knows you're wired for, but a lot of times, our expectations of of, of what we should be experiencing don't jive with what God knows that we need. And when God fulfills my needs, and when God fulfills my desires, and when he fulfills my expectation, it should, it should result in contentment. Write that down. There's the creator, there's the created, the creator is satisfying the needs, desires, and expectations of the created. You'd think, right? That would result in contentment. But when we read the Bible, and specifically when we see Jesus, we see this whole topic of being content addressed. In the, New, in, in the Old Testament, in the book of Isaiah, you can see this battle going on inside of man for satisfaction and contentment and God wanting to meet the needs, desires, and expectations of his people. In Isaiah 55, it says this, come, all you who are what? Thirsty, come to the waters, and you who have no money, come and buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. This is the key line. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me, and eat what is good, and you will delight in the richest affair. Give ear and come to me. See how the replacement is? Come to me, listen, that you may live. And so it's this analogy, it's this metaphor, it's this picture of food, all right, and being physically satisfied. But God, through the prophet Isaiah, is, is trying to get the message across to God's people hey, you know what, I'm the source of your satisfaction. And he's using an analogy of physical satisfaction. That's why you'll read in the Psalms, taste and see that the Lord is good. That's right. It's this, you know, digest. It's like ingest, take me in, let me satisfy you. Because I think you would agree that the world is offering false fountains of satisfaction. And we are on that quest for satisfaction. And if we take the bait of the world which says, no, you can be satisfied through possession. You can be satisfied, satisfied through more pleasure, more thrill, more sensation. You can be satisfied through more power and more position. And that's, the, that's gonna answer all those satisfaction questions. We have guys in the room and guys listening who have gone down that road, gotten to level 10, and at the end of it, they were bankrupt and all their relationships fell apart because those channels of satisfaction offered by the world, offered by culture out there, will not provide the satisfaction that God can inside and in your soul. And that's where God is just saying, hey, listen, listen to me. Eat what is good. You'll delight in the richest of fare. Give ear and come to me. 
All right, and so that's kind of the context, that's the setup. Setup, you know, in Psalm 103, it says, God satisfies my desires with good things so that my youth is renewed. So I'm renewed on the inside. So now the question is, what are my sources of satisfaction? Jesus would address this with the people he encountered. In John chapter four, he encounters a woman at the well, the Samaritan woman, and they're having this discussion. And again, the, 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 the physical satisfaction metaphor is used. Jesus says this, so Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be what? Thirsty. Okay, there's the same words from Isaiah. Whoever drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to what? Eternal life. You see, there's creator, there's created. You're created in the image of God. And so that quest for satisfaction is eternal. It's eternal. You're, you're a creation of God. You have that. You're made in the image of God. And you have eternal needs that temporal, earthly pursuits simply will not satisfy. And that's what, what uh, the prophet Isaiah was saying for the Lord to his people. And this is what Jesus is saying uh, to this woman. And that's what God's saying to us this morning. There's a battle over where you're going to be satisfied in life. And you can, you, you can chase satisfaction in the world, or you can be eternally satisfied in Jesus. And that, that's kind of my story. You know, I, at 17, I was chasing cool. I was chasing money. I had three jobs, made more money than my dad. Uh, I was chasing uh, position. I, 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 I was on my way to UCLA. I was chasing social capital, all right? I wanted to be socially rich. And at the end of, uh, of my quest, I found myself in my room talking to God going, I'm empty. This is not helping me. This is not satisfying. Maybe some of you are like me. You see, in the satisfaction war, and I want you to write this down, either creator or culture will fulfill your quest for satisfaction. Either creator or culture will fulfill. Psalm 103, I satisfy your desires with good things. Isaiah 55, come all you who are thirsty, come to me, give ear to me. Listen to me that you may live. Jesus, whoever drinks that water is gonna be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water I'll give him will never thirst. In fact, if they drink the water I give, it'll well up to eternal life. So I want us to read Philippians 4, verses 12 and 13, because it's the, it's the statement of a person who in the middle of this tension has learned how to be content and satisfied by his creator. Let's read Philippians 4, 12 through 13 together. Ready? I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. I think it's interesting as a teacher of the Bible that a lot of us love Philippians 4.13. I think Philippians 4.13 is the most tattooed statement of scripture on professional athletes in the world, right? Philippians 4.13, see the guy walks into the UFC match in the octagon 
you know, and he has Philippians 4.13, you know, and we love it because it's inspirational. I can do all this, or I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. The context of that passage is contentment. Can you do all that? And when you put the two together, where Paul says, I know what it means to be in want, I know what it means to have a lot, and I have learned the secret of being content. I can do that through Christ who gives me strength. All right, That's the context of this passage. And so we need to look at how satisfaction from God, everybody say from God, from God, right, is a driving force in our lives. Otherwise, we're gonna get caught in the battle, we're gonna get caught up in culture, and we're gonna get caught up in isolation and dissatisfaction and discontentment. Why? Because we replaced creator and how he satisfies with culture, all right? So I'm, I just cherry-picked a few things that God satisfies our life with, and these are all driving forces in our lives. The first thing that God provides is he has told me who I am. There's the greatest existential question is answered. Who am I? Where did I come from? Where am I going? You need to know the answer to that. You know, there's a very popular book written about purpose. It's the second most popular book next to the Bible, all right? Nonfiction. Why? Because that is the question that you need answered, all right? Look what it says in Psalm 139, 14 to 16. All right, let's read that together. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Stop. You are a created being. You are created with intention. You are created with purpose. You're the only one like you. You are fearfully and wonderfully made, right? You're made by God. All right, let's go on. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. You know, your, your inception was an idea. And then God pressed the button on you. You're God's idea. And then he said, you know what? I'm gonna press the button on Tim. I'm gonna press the button on Wyatt. I'm gonna press the button on Martin. I'm gonna press the button, you know, on Bob. And then he formed you. He used the DNA of a man and a woman to form you. That was his plan. And then when you go to the end of this passage, it goes, boy, and guess what? From that idea to that inception and conception, God has your end of days also ordained. So at the end, the psalmist says, all the days ordained for me were written in your book. So from beginning to end, you're God's idea, right? And if, if you're God's idea, where does satisfaction lie? Well, it, it lies with God, but see, now here's the spiritual battle. The world and the flesh and the devil will not tell you that. But I will tell you that. God will tell you that. Jesus will tell you that. But the world, the flesh, and the devil won't tell you that. In fact, they will say that your contentment, your peace, and your joy, and your satisfaction comes from the false fountains. All right? 
So when God tells you who you are, that's, that's a way that he satisfies a need in your life. Secondly, he has met my need for acceptance. Remember how I said how human beings are on a relational satisfaction journey? We all want to be known. We all want to give love and we all want to receive love. We want to be seen and valued. Amen? Every single human being ever created, right? And God has met that need for acceptance. God's met the, met the existential question need. Who are you? You're made by me. I have your life. You're my intention. Secondly, you're accepted. You're worth loving, right? Look at what it says here in Romans 8. When you have a relationship with God, this is what it, what it feels like, all right? Let's read that together, ready? The spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Wow, wow. I don't know if, if, if you're like me, but I needed to receive that spirit because I had what you might describe as an orphan spirit growing up in my family. Wasn't sure about my personal worth. Wasn't sure you know, if I was worth people's time. Wasn't sure, and I was on that broken quest to find out and doing it in some of the most unhealthy ways. Why? Because there was this low-grade anxiety over my worth. And when you don't have worth, you don't have peace. And when you don't have peace, you have anxiety over your worth. And when you have anxiety over your worth, you seek relief from that anxiety about your worth and you go find, you go try to find relief in the most unhealthy ways to get the feedback that you're created to get from God. And how wonderful is it that God reached in and intervened into our lives and he adopted me and made me a son, and he adopted me to sonship. And there is a, a witness of the spirit that I'm all right, I'm okay. I don't need all that acceptance out there by man, I don't need all that position, I don't need power, and I don't need to have the next sensation, I don't need to do silly things to get accepted. My identity is as a child of God, and that is the deepest satisfaction that a man can have. In fact, when you see men chasing all of these sources of validation, you know what they really need? They need this. They need to know that they're loved by God unconditionally, courageously, selflessly. And to have that peace inside of knowing just, man, I'm all right. Otherwise, Satan will exploit the anxiety inside and the lack of acceptance and he will get men doing the silliest things from false fountains to get the acceptance that only is satisfied by God. So God's told me who I am. That satisfies a huge thing. God has met my need for acceptance, huge thing, a life-giving thing. Third, he has promised to meet all my needs. Okay, that's not a bad thing, right? God's promised to meet all your needs. Jesus again, addresses this tendency in people to fret and worry about getting their needs met. It's natural. It's built in, right? We have a quest for physical satisfaction. We want to know where food is coming from. We want to know where shelter is coming from. 
We want to know where clothes are coming from. Listen to Jesus in his first message. He pulls it right out of the box, right out of the gate. He says this. So do not worry. Everybody say, do not worry. Do not worry. We're going to come back to that. What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans, i.e., those who do not know God, for the pagans run after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Let's finish it together. And all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. You know, my kids growing up never fretted over going to the refrigerator and not having stuff in it. Okay? That was my job. I'm the dad. Right? But they never walked around like, Dad, are we going to have food today? Dad, are we going to have gas in the car today? Dad, are we going to have this today? They never, that never ever was even a thought. And when you think about if they did fret and worry about that, that was a referendum on you, right? And here's God, the CEO of everything, okay? And here he is in a bodily form, Jesus. And, and Jesus is saying, you know what? You don't have to worry about that. It's like, I'm not caught off guard by your circumstances. I'm not surprised. But you know, I'm, I'm gonna ask you to do something and it's gonna require humility and faith. I'm gonna ask you to seek me first, and seek my plan first, and my ways first, and learn my ways, and live out my ways first. And guess what? All of that gets thrown in. It's like when C.S. Lewis said, aim at heaven, and you get earth thrown in. Aim at earth, and you get neither. Right? And that's, that's the proposition that Jesus is saying. But think about that, how God satisfies by meeting all our needs, the promise to meet all. I don't know about anybody else making that promise in your life. Anybody else that said, hey, really good to know you, Paul. You know, start a relationship with me, I'll meet all your needs. Nobody is saying that to you, but Jesus is saying that to you, all right? So he's told me who I am. He's met my need for acceptance. He's promised to meet all my needs. Let's look at the fourth one I cherry-picked. He has secured my future. Right now on planet Earth, there's more anxiety and depression over people trying to control their future and their future not working out the way they've tried to control it than at any other time in human history. Anybody in the room tried to control your future by worrying about it or trying to make things happen? That's right, we all do it. And when we do that, we take on what is not ours. Only God has shoulders big enough to take on the future. So if you're listening to the sound of my voice right now and you are trying to take on your future tomorrow, Right? That starts tomorrow. Your future starts tomorrow in the next hours and minutes and days. If you're trying to control that and get it to, to move in a way that will sustain your peace and lower your anxiety, good luck with that. God says he knows the plans. Look at what he says in Jeremiah 29, 11 through 14. Let's read it together. Ready? For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. So you may not know your future, but through Jesus Christ, you can know the one who holds your future. 
And you can start talking to the one who holds your future in his hands. I know the plans I have for you. Why? Because you're my idea. Doesn't that make sense? You're my idea, all right? I know the plans I have for you. And that, again, here's the tension. The devil will say to you, yeah, but you know what? You tried that God thing and look at what, how that worked out. Or, you know, he doesn't understand that you have this need now. And either he's not on time or he's not delivering it the way you want. And then there's the spiritual battle. God knows the plans he has for us, plans for our welfare, not calamity, to give us a future and a hope. And we have to, in faith and humility and trust of our creator, just say, you know what? I want that plan. Right? But a lot of times, the plan that, that God has for us, uh, ever notice this? How it involves processes that you wouldn't have ever baked in? Because his goals are different than your goals. Amen? His goals for you as a man are different. His goals are character, not comfort. His goal is to make you like Christ, not your personal convenience. But in a westernized consumer culture, all the wheels are, are moving out there for us to get us what we need and when we need it and how we want it. And we, we lay down some money to get it when we need it and how we want it. And then God moves our cheese. God ever moved your cheese on that plan about your future? Sure has moved mine. Career transitions, job losses, different directions. And you know, God says, hey, guess what? That's still my plan too. And we're like, wait, that can't be your plan. That didn't work out. Yeah, that's right. It didn't work out. And that's my plan. Because that not working out is going to get some things done in you that everything working out for you on your yellow brick road won't get done, right? And that, that shows God's love that in a broken, fallen world, he can redeem every direction. So God has secured my future. Look at what it says in 1 John 5, 11 through 13. He secured it presently, but guess what? He secured it eternally. Let's read 1 John 5, 11 through 13. Ready? And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life. And this life is in his son. Whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have the son of God does not have life. Man, that's a guarantee. Not only has God guaranteed my present existence on earth, but then when I pass through and I enter eternity, I'm gonna be with him forever. Now that right there, I just want to stop and pause. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his son. Whoever has the son has life. And isn't that what we're all after? We're after life. And that's why Jesus declared, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Now, I don't know if you have your eternal life secured. If you do not, God has just told you where to get it. I don't know if you're a follower of Jesus and you're trying to get life outside of the Son. And if you are, God's calling you back to where real life exists and that life is in his Son, presently and eternally. So my encouragement to you, my brother, is for you to heed God's advice and to get your life every aspect of it back into the sun so that you can experience life and peace and joy. 
through a relationship with Jesus. So God has told me who I am. God has met my need for acceptance. God has promised to meet all my needs. God secured my future. Again, I'm just cherry picking. He satisfied my life with some pretty good stuff. Next, he has cleansed me of sin and shame. He's cleansed me from sin and shame. You know, when you are born into a fallen world and you are subject to a nature that will naturally get you to choose life outside of God, there's pain and there's sin and there's shame. I know it because I was living with a lot of it. Some of you are walking around with it right now. And what are you gonna do with it? You gonna medicate it with money? You gonna medicate it with sex? You gonna medicate it with alcohol and drugs? That sin and that shame that comes from making poor choices that make you feel small and immature? and ruin your relationships with people, what are you going to do with your sin and shame? I have an answer for you. Let God satisfy your need for cleansing. All right, let's read Ephesians chapter one, verse seven together. Listen to this promise. Ready? In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. Boy, there's our satisfier once again. I, I didn't know where to go with my sin and shame. When I came to Christ, there was, a, there was a boatload of it. There was a wake of destruction behind it. There were ruined relationships, hurt people by my poor choices. And finally, I went to the satisfier, the one who can cleanse me of sin and shame. And I asked him to come into my life and I received his cleansing. You see, the, the idea of Jesus being Lord and God, we attach with that, but it's also he's our savior. What does he save us from? He saves us from sin and he saves us from the shame through his blood. Everybody say through his blood, through his blood, right. Your sins will be made white as snow. Man, isn't it great to have a clean slate? Isn't it great to be given a second chance? Isn't it great to say, yeah, I know, I saw that. But you know what? You're in my son. Not only do you have life, but you have cleansing from your guilt and your sin and your shame. Some of you walk around with so much guilt and God says, that's not my plan. I'm your satisfier. I took care of that at the cross. You need to come to the cross and you need to ask my son into your life and ask for me to cleanse you from sin and shame. Look at what it says in Romans chapter four, verse seven. Let's read that together. Blessed are those whose transgressions are, whose sins are, circle forgiven and covered. You ever had somebody say, I got you covered? You ever had somebody say, like, you're worried about something and you have all this angst, you're like, oh my God, what am I gonna do? It's like, hey, don't worry about it, I got you covered. Oh, whew. Is your sin covered? Either it's covered through the blood of Jesus Christ or it's not, right? Because there's only one way to cover sin and shame and it's through the blood of Jesus. Have you received the person of Christ and the work of Christ for you so that you can receive the blessing of having your sin and shame removed? Not a bad thing that God satisfies us with. And again, I'm just cherry picking. The next one is, he has changed me inside. He has changed me inside. You know, when I, before I came to Christ, there was a lot of, there's a lot of things that I aspired to and there was a lot of ways that I wanted to be like, but I didn't have the inner character to pull it off. I wanted to be a good person. I wanted to treat people the right way. I wanted to love people well. I wanted to, but there were, there's a broken person inside 
that just couldn't pull that off. And man, that's depressing when you can't pull it off. Men get depressed when the demands of reality exceed their depth of character. You're married. You're trying to make a relationship work. And you don't have what it takes on the inside to get that connection and that intimacy. You want to solve that anger problem and you're mad at yourself that you can't seem to overcome that trigger in the moment that gets you saying things. It's like having an out-of-body experience and you lament the fact that, man, I don't have what it takes on the inside to beat this thing, to defeat this habit that I have. Well, that's because you don't have Christ. There's no way you can defeat the world, the flesh, and the devil on your own power. You need supernatural strength. You need supernatural power. That's why when Paul, the apostle Paul, is talking about the work of Christ, he's not talking about a rearrangement of your circumstances. All right? Look at, look at what Paul says in Philippians 1.6. Let's read that together. Ready? Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. I want you to circle good work in you. Boy, you, you know what? You don't need a new set of circumstances. A lot of you walked in here or you're listening to me and you go, man, if this were different, if only this, if that, if this, if everybody else changed and, and became codependent around me and adjusted to me and my life and my needs, and if only my boss was a little bit better, if only this deal went through, if only, you know, if only, if only, if only some rearrangement of my outer circumstances would somehow by mystical osmosis happen and then make their way into my heart, then I would have peace, all right? Have fun with that. It's not gonna happen because the answer isn't outside you, the answer is inside. A work of God inside of you. Look at what it says in Romans eight twenty nine because this is the work that God is doing on the inside of you. Ready? Let's read Romans 8, 29 together. Ready? For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. You see, you can't have healthy relationships with God and people without character. But you need a character swap. You need the chump out, and you need the champ in. And the champ is Jesus Christ. You need him inside of you, changing you from the inside out, changing your identity, changing the way you put energy, changing the way you make choices, changing. And when you get the character of Christ, conduct is an expression of character. Amen? All right? So what are you working with? What's your source material? Is it you? Is it the chump? Is it the old you? Is it the selfish guy? You know? Or... Is it Jesus Christ himself living and dwelling in you and speaking into every area of your life and saying, I want you to show love for God and people here. I want you to show love for God and people in this way. I want you to follow my ways. I want you to model what, do what I modeled for you. So what's on the inside? What a great thing. I, I mean, my life radically changed from the inside out. But guys, I know that the spiritual battle in your life is if only my circumstances would rearrange themselves, then I would have peace and joy on the inside. And then I would change. And then I would be great for everybody. That's not how it works. All right? That's a reaction. All right? A human reaction, not a solution. God says he wants to change you on the inside. 
All right, last one. Again, I'm just cherry picking. How has God satisfied me? He has made my mind right. He's made my mind right. He's told me how to think. Because when you know how to think, you know how to live, right? When you're thinking right, you live right, right? My, my living reflects my thinking. And look at what God did. Romans 12, 2. Let's read that together. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. You know, this goes back to the very first point that I made, that God told you who you are. You're his intention. You're his idea. You, you were conceived really in his mind first before you were conceived using the appointed DNA that made you. Then he pressed the button on you, and now there's this war over, okay, who gets to align and guide this life, all right? And here in Romans 12, too, we can be aligned and guided in our lives by culture, the pattern of this world, and as men, broken male cultures, all right, depending on where you grow up, who you live around, what the model is there, you can be conformed to that, or you can be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you can align with God's good and pleasing and perfect intention for you. Wow, that is how God satisfies our lives. You, you ever notice, you notice that these things that I've talked about, none of them are external? Kind of shows us where the solution is, isn't it? It's not some external thing. And oh yeah, by the way, God's given me breath. Oh yeah, and by the way, God's given me sight. God's given me people to love. God satisfied me with people who love me. God's given me spiritual gifts. God's given me his, his word, which has saved my life. God's given me his Holy Spirit deposited inside of me. God satisfied me with you, spiritual community. God has gas in my tank. He gets me a paycheck. He puts food in my fridge. He's put a roof over my head. Uh, the clothing I have comes from God. I have a car. I have a computer. I have a phone. I have a purposeful life and ministry, Right? I have a house that I live in. I have a job that I love. I could go on and on and on and on. He satisfies my life with good things so that my youth is renewed like the eagle. That's energy. When the Bible says that my youth is renewed, it's all about energy because young people have energy, amen? All right? My youth is renewed when I get a sense of, man, God, you're the satisfier of my life. I have this powerful experience with you and you have, you, you've forgiven my sin and you've cleansed me and you've told me who I am and you've secured my future and you've changed me from the inside out and you've made my mind right so that I would have this renewed energy and appreciation. Now, let me just tell you this. Satan is, is upset that I just told you that. Because he wants you to be one of those people, one of those nitpickers who thinks in the gaps. God has done all of these things for you and all you do is focus on the gaps. He's done all of this. I mean, if I just stop there at seven, that's enough. That's enough for me to move out of nitpicking and gap thinking where we walk around and we go, oh, well, but, but I don't have that. You, you evaluate your life from all the gaps and losses that you have, right? Instead of focusing on what God has done and what he's doing, what he promises to do, what you already have guaranteed in the future. And then 
to get your eyes on the small but important things of breath and life and sight and beauty and body and people and community and purpose and his word and his spirit and all of these little ways that God satisfies your life. Come on, man. Come on. That's the spiritual battle. You know, when you are thankful as a man of God, if you wanna do real first-class spiritual warfare, have an attitude of gratitude. Just have an attitude. That gives Satan fits. It's like histamines in his system. It just gives him allergies, man. When you are thankful, you are content. When you are content, you are not dissatisfied. It is easier for Satan to lie into the heart of a dissatisfied and discontent man than it is to lie into the heart of a grateful and content man. Amen? Every day, if you want to really strap on the spiritual armor, start thanking God for how he has satisfied your life. Start with this list. And then just move on to your bran muffin and your maple bar and, you know, whatever it is that brings you joy, a nice Nespresso coffee with some vanilla cream in it. That's all from the Lord, all right? The fact that we're together and we're talking about all this, this is from the Lord, amen? The guys that to your left and right are from the Lord for you, amen? You see that we're, we're battling right now spiritually, we're saying, God, you're our satisfier. You make me content. I have Jesus in my life. I have life. My future is secure. I'm a child of God. You've cleansed me from sin and shame. You see, this is how we battle, guys. It's not some, again, rearrangement of your circumstances. All right? So God is speaking right now. He's speaking to us. The, the battle is to remember what he's done every day. Praise the Lord, O oh my soul. Bless his holy name. Praise the Lord, O oh my soul, and forget not all his benefits. I'm gonna tell you right now. He forgives all your sin. He heals all your diseases. He has redeemed your life from the pit. He has crowned you with love and compassion, and he satisfies your desires with good things so that you will be lifted and your youth will be renewed like the eagle so that you can live in a different dimension and you can make your way out of earthly and worldly and broken living and transition into this other place where you're like an eagle. You rise above. And that's what I'm gonna pray over you right now. I'm praying that what God has done for you will lift you up and take you out of the place that you are now. God, thank you that you've built us, hardwired us, for physical satisfaction, emotional satisfaction, relational satisfaction. Lord, you've hardwired us to long for answers to questions. Like, who am I and why do I even matter? And then you stepped in to satisfy all of our needs. God, you told us who we were. You met our need for acceptance. You, you took us from being orphans to being sons of God. You promised us that you're gonna meet all our needs if we stay in contact and connection and relationship with you and seek you out. God, you've secured our future. Our future is set. You know the plans you have for us, God, and we thank you for that this morning. You've set our eternal future. Lord, you've changed us from the inside out. God, we need more of that. 
Holy Spirit, would you fill us right now and lead us and control us and move us to remember all of the things that God has done for us, who we are, what he's done, what he's doing, what he has promised. And God, let those things that you've done for us provide the energy that we need to live for you until we meet our ultimate destiny, which is life eternal with you. Lord Jesus, thank you for every man. I know there are needs in the room right now. I know that there are men who are in transition. I know that there are men who are wondering where their next paycheck is gonna come from. I know that there are men whose relationships are fragmented. I know that there are men who are anxious over the future. God, I pray right now that you would replace all of that anxiety and worry with yourself. Jesus, you said, my peace I leave you, my peace I give you, not as the world gives, do I give to you. Jesus, thank you that you're at work. We recommit ourselves to you and your purposes today. Bless us. In the name of Christ, I pray. Amen. not taking his place is because he loses his vision of God, which then he loses his perspective. You're out of place. And God is calling you back to take your place as a, as a God's man who's a husband, as a God's man who's a dad, as a God's man who's a friend, as a God's man who's a neighbor, because no one else can take the territory that only you can take and that God has assigned you to take in this hour.